1: Welcome everybody to Me Time. This week I have, well, this week is kind of about my me time, uh, which wine is one of my favorite things to enjoy during my me time. And one of my favorite wine experts and friends, Matthew Kanert is joining me today to talk about wine, why he loves wine, why I love wine, and to answer a lot of really wonderful questions that all of you asked. So please enjoy. We have a lot of fun, and hopefully you learn a thing or two about wine. And if you're a beginner, it might just inspire you to jump into the world of wine. Oh, and please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Me Time with Maggie Lawson on Apple Podcasts, and tell all your friends. Okay, now enjoy Matthew. I love this vibe you have now. I love this like hat, sunglasses. I love that you're already like partying. I know. I'm I'm so I'm so excited about this episode. Are you what are you drinking? Tell me. Tell us. Sparkling
0: water. Sparkling water.
1: Oh, same same. This, by the way.
0: So I get the vibes going. Yeah, I know. I yeah. I don't drink a lot anymore. Not really. Okay.
1: Well, we're going to get to that in a second because I know you have a new line as well, but I'll just tell me time. So you guys, you know, part of my me time is learning about new things. And while I do know some things about wine, we're going to kind of start at the beginning a little bit and then we'll kind of, you know, talk about what Matthew knows and a little of what I know and all those good things. But Matthew is somebody I have known since Covell opened. In 2011. I mean, we're still 21, so I don't even know how. Uh, <laughs> but right, didn't it open in 2011?
0: 2010.
1: 2010. Okay, I remembered. I moved to the East Side, and Melanie Linsky, who you know as well, Matthew is like a dear friend of mine, and we had like this standing Monday night date, and we uh, we loved this place called Lou wine that was on Vine and Melrose for a while. And it closed. We're like, where are we going to go? And another friend of mine who was in Los Feliz was like, Jen Finnegan, who uh, is also wonderful. But she was like, you got to try this new place, Covell. And so, well, first off, I'm going to give a little background. I want you to promote anything you want to promote as well, Matthew, because you are now, I believe the, what, wine journalist for Men's Journal?
0: Yeah, apparently that happened. Cool. I'm
1: like, wait, Matthew, are you just like flying around the world and like trying wine bars? Basically? I
0: mean, I already did that. I used you to already did it. I've, I've I've already I've been doing that and I think that's why I was in a unique position to get this opportunity. So yeah, yes, and yes.
1: Okay, so Men's Journal, please read. I've been reading the articles you've been posting. It's it's I know it's Men's Journal, but it's for everybody. And Matthew is so brilliant about wine, but it's also, he's also disarming about wine. Like if you, you know, are just learning about wine, I had to, I mean, I was in my early days of learning about wine when I first met you and uh, follow him on Instagram and you'll have tons of fun and you'll learn a lot and hear about all the, the great stuff he's doing. So back to our like sort of origin story, Matthew and I met when I went to Covell. I, Matthew, I remember it like it was yesterday. I walked in and it was already hopping. This place, like, sl- like it, it made a splash early on. You created such a special, low key atmosphere, but like, it was such a vibe because also the wine was so unique and and very select. Like you curated very special wines, and then everyone working there, you could literally ask anyone working there any question about wine, and you could taste wines. It was just this open easy place. And I knew I loved wine, but I didn't know that much about it. And I remember when I sat down and I think you said like, what are you in the mood for? And I don't know what I said, probably something like, I want something fruity. And, (laughs) and I remember you made me get specific and I got really intimidated. And I was like, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't actually know that much about wine, but I, and you like walked me through like you got me to wherever I needed to like get to, to describe what I wanted. You explained wine to me. And honestly, you're one of the reasons that I grew to love wine and and learned about it along the way up until just a few years ago when I was going to Greece. I like went to Covell one night just to see you to be like, yo, what am I drinking in Greece? And you were like, a Certico. And, and a, uh, a Ginomavra, is that right?
0: Ginomavra. That. Yeah.
1: Ginomavra, yeah. Anyway, so Matthew has... Also, I'm just going to give this shout out to you as well for the the pandemic. Um, Covell, obviously we all wanted to support our local places and Covell has been my, was just a home to me for, I mean, m- life events happened there for me. I, I learned all about wine there. Like you have the most beautiful people working there. Sean is one of my best friends now. Like, And during the pandemic, they were so brave and offered, you know, to, uh, you, I could literally just text you and be like, Hey, I would just want to get a few bottles. I'm scared to go anywhere. Um, you were like, we all have masks on. We're going to open the trunk. We'll put a couple things in there. You like you, I was like, nobody's working. So you were giving, you were like, it was affordable wines. It was just great. Anyway, I, it will always have Covell will always be a little home to me, but also that's the place you created. So you'll always have a place in my heart. And I just adore you. So means a lot. Like, Thank that was
0: you. a lot. Thank that was you. a lot. <laughs> no, no, it means a lot. It's, it's, it's so sweet of you to say, I mean, we, uh, you know, me and Dustin Lancaster, who's still an owner there and he's yeah. the, um, my co-founder and, you know, he designed it. It was his idea. He came to me and wanted to open a wine bar, was sick of making money for other people. And I said, mm. let's go. Will you tell me when and where. And that, that became Covell, which is so crazy, you know, to, to open a wine bar with no wine list, but 150 wines by the glass. We literally got people yes. to learn the vernacular of wine.
1: It is where I learned about wine. I mean, I, I can't stress this enough because, and granted, you know, I I really, I haven't strayed very far from Coval, so <laughs> I can't say that I know a ton of other wine bars, but I just, it was such an easy way to get to know. I mean, my God, we could sit down and just be like, oh, I'm kind of in the mood for a light red. And boom, there'd be like three bottles in front of you. You could taste you could get to, you could learn about it. The bartenders would kind of walk you through the process of, you know, the correct way to di- like etiquette, even it, it was so much more than just a bar, wine yeah. bar, where you go and pick a wine and have like, you learned about wine. Anyway, that's where I fell in love with wine. So I'm hoping all the, the listeners, uh, they'll, that's why it's like today, I kind of want to, I want to talk to you about where I am now, but I also, as you can see by a lot of the questions that came in, like... We kind of have to, we'll go back to the beginning a little bit. First off.
0: we'll zoom out. We'll zoom out. It's okay. We're allowed to do that. And one of the things that I've had to remind myself in my career is this little kind of um, like club of people who know a lot about wine. It's a small club. And when you're introverted like that, insulated, able to talk about wine in a certain, like have that language, have that common language. But then you're tasked with bringing in other people who have not gotten that far in their journey yet or are very passionate and excited, but don't have the same experiences you have. It's really easy to turn people off, to not be mm. respectful, to not be inclusive. And one of the things I made a really early part of my career, a very important moment. And I can throw this back to working at Silver Lake Wine when I worked there versus mm. holiday help and then became the manager of the store. The whole thing was everyone's equal. Everyone is part of the conversation. Make everyone feel like you're giving them their attention they deserve. And you never talk over anyone. You never make them Mm -hmm. feel like they don't know the answer to a question. If they ask a question and they had the balls to ask that question, give them an answer. Don't make them feel like you're too good to answer the question.
1: It's not fair. Right. And that, I think, is wine is intimidating.
0: It can be. Yeah, it doesn't have to be, but it can be.
1: And, and also I think that you're right a lot of times there can, yeah it, it can be if the if uh whoever you're asking whoever you're with whoever you're dining with uh makes you feel that way but wine is, is like beautiful I see it it's like such an art have you seen drops of God?
0: I almost started it last night okay I almost did I've been hearing about it I saw the previews when before it came out yeah I remember thinking I'm either gonna love it or hate it and I don't know which one and I can see I, that. Mm-hmm. I'm sure, I'm sure that there are things about it I'm going to love. And last night, instead of starting it, I went to bed early. So maybe tonight will be the night, which okay. for those watching or listening at home, that will be whenever you are watching or listening at home. That's when I started.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> tonight. <laughs> it's tonight.
0: It's yeah. The, Whatever the night. Why? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tonight.
1: Okay. Um, wait. So I want to, um, we have so, Matthew, so many questions, and I even have questions, but yeah. before we get to all of them, because this will just be such a fun like, Q&A thing, um, when and how did you, what What was it that was like, mm, I'm into wine. I want to learn about wine for you.
0: There are some really important line in the sand moments for me. The first one, stealing a glass of champagne at a wedding at seven years old, hmm? crushing the whole glass, Oh, and she- then- I had to be taken home because I was throwing up everywhere. That was like, I, something changed then. I know that like my DNA changed my brain, waves, whatever. <laughs> and then to go further along, I grew up in Santa Barbara, quite lucky to be from such a beautiful place, but also a wine producing place, you know? Yeah. And I knew what was going on in a way when you're young and you live in a place like that, like you kind of have an idea of why people are making the movements. They are why uh, certain tourism is happening, but, Like, unless you're in a wine family or you're old enough to go check out the wineries themselves, it's kind of hard to really understand it. So, I stayed in Santa Barbara for college. I went to UCSB before I quit. Yeah, I'm one of those people that quit college, whatever. And uh, wine for me, (laughs) yes, badge (laughs) of honor, right? Yeah. Um, And we made it. We're still here. We can still talk.
1: We're here. We're here. We can still talk and enjoy wine. Somehow
0: somehow it's all okay. Like It's a piece of art. It's a liquid piece of art that someone mm-hmm. can experience and talk about and have perspective on. And then mm-hmm. you can tell the story of the people who grew it and the story of the people who put the vineyard in and why historically there's all these amazing movements that happened because of wine. And I was just scratching the surface back then. And that's become my, really, I call myself a modern day wine rock raconteur because I tell the fucking stories.
1: It's what I do. I love the stories. That's really, uh, that's amazing. So that is like, it's funny. Cause that's like one of the things I do talk about on me time with people is like these moments of impact, these things that happen that kind of change their lives forever, you know, like these things that mm-hmm. just kind of happen out of nowhere. Maybe of it's a miracle. Yeah. Maybe it's a devastating thing. Like whatever it is, it just, it, from that point forward, you are different, you are changed, you are moved. And it sounds like for you in a lot of ways, it was sort of pivoting into wine after, after music and seeing the, the world and the community that's there. I, Again, I credit you for a lot of this. I, I see I see wine I, I know so li- little compa- you know com- obviously comparing to what you have learned. but God, I, I I also see it as art. I also like feel the history when I drink it. I feel like the earth when you, I mean there's just a whole it's a whole thing. I mean that's it's different for everybody, but I, I hear you. I love it. That's very uh, like poetic almost. but that it is that um, in a lot of ways. And also I what bar- a community. Well, yeah, go
0: on. Yeah, I was going to say, I borrowed something, a very important moment. Uh, a good friend of mine who makes wine in Arizona, uh, the northeast of Arizona. Uh, vineyards, wineries are called Caduceus and Merkin okay. Vineyards and um, Arizona Stronghold. There's all this other stuff they have going on, but he's also a massive rock star. He's in the band Tool. Huh. He's in a perfect circle. Oh, cool. Um, uh-huh. His name's James. Uh, everyone knows him as Maynard, but Maynard James Keenan is his name. and. Uh, there was a film that was made about when he made the first wine that was made in Arizona, but grown from his own vineyards. And they actually filmed part of it at Silver Lake Wine. So there was this cool moment where we're all kind of in the film. And um, in that moment where he finally opens the first bottle that was grown in Arizona and made in Arizona. And it's, it's magical and moment um, impactful because prior to that, he would ship grapes over from Napa, Paso, Santa Barbara, whatever, make the wine there, but it wasn't grown in Arizona. So okay. this moment happens, he finally gets the bottle open. And, you know, for those who don't know this, when grapes are grown, that happens one time a year, you then make wine. The first wine you're going to have from that last year, usually white wines and rosés, you have them the next calendar year. You don't drink them like eight hours later. You know, you, you have to be patient. That's, that's
1: a good Some question. red
0: wines yeah. take two right. or three years to, um, you know, go through their process and be ready for you to drink. So he made this sacrifice of time and land and money grew the grapes made the wine and had to wait for this moment, this capturable moment. And on the film, it literally says a liquid love letter, which has carried with me for forever because that's what wine is. It's a liquid love letter. Literally. I actually called my band that. I asked him if I could, and he allowed me to, but it's a poetic thing, right? It's it's such uh, an incredible, all-encompassing way of describing the emotion behind it, the poetry behind it. And I think something really worth talking about, every time you open a bottle of wine or you don't open a bottle of wine, think of the decisions that go into that. Like for instance, if you have an opportunity to drink a 50-year-old wine mm-hmm. and you were probably not the original owner of that bottle, think of all the times someone decided not to drink it for you to get to that moment, right?
1: Oh, I have to passage
0: of time,
1: yeah. the emotion
0: behind that the fact that someone's got um inventory held up with they paid money to own it like this is the kind of stuff i start thinking about so i can communicate wine differently so yeah. people stop thinking about it tastes like raspberries it tastes like you know gooseberry yeah. like cool i get that but like the emotions what matters if you can't emotionally connect what are we doing
1: so well said and also like i i'm glad that people i, I i'm it's just nice to hear this because i feel like this is this is what made me fall in love with it as well was having the experience of of everything you're talking about like and when you take that moment to process it which I don't do all the time but like as you just said and listener like people listening now like you're reaching all of these people now uh i mean you always have but just even just on this podcast like the the people listening to this podcast who've never had this view or this take or whatever is like they're inspired you're it's an inspiring thing and if you enjoy wine like it's kind of interesting to think about all all the factors you're talking about the art of making and and just go back as far as artists written word all of that like that it's a it's also there's such a history i mean i i was with melanie recently and um I I met Turley the Turley wine do you know Christina? Turley wine? yeah or Christina the,
0: like the, here in LA yeah, I met yeah, Christina
1: yeah. literally met Christina yeah, yeah she's and awesome. she was just t- oh my god it was so lovely and and do you know Terrence at horses the I've never been to horses net. I
0: don't think I know anyone
1: there yeah and and that's a whole I've other heard thing. About them. But like yeah, yeah the Terrence and he was like both of them they were talking about the the soil like when you, even just that, like if you're a history person, if you're a, if you're an art person, if you're like, uh, uh um, what, what are the earth people? Geolog-
0: ge- geological, geological
1: or, or botanist yeah. or whatever. Like you yeah, that'd be are, study. yeah. Yes. Yeah, so you're every, yeah. there's so many layers to it. And she was talking about like the different eras of time that like this soil, they were picking up this soil. Like, I was like, this is what we're talking about. So anyway, I am this conversation, Matthew, I could talk to you for days about this part of it. Because I think that is to me too, even if I'm not totally conscious of it every single time I'm taking a sip, there's something in it that I feel when I drink wine. And I, and it's all of that that you're talking about, even if I'm not processing every single thought or every single thing. And I love you as a wine person being open to like talking about that part of it as well, because I think that a lot of people, it is just kind of an intimidating world. It's like, I'm going to stick to the thing I know, which was one of the questions I was going to ask you is like, you know, I know for me when I first got in, like back in my twenties, when I first started having wine and, and somebody might say like, oh, if you want to taste like a quintessential Chardonnay, have like a Rombauer or have something like that, like that. So I was like having these like very, and then I'd go to Costco wine tastings because they were awesome, and that, yeah. but, but I didn't know the words. I'd be like, I know I like a Pinot Noir, but I couldn't name like the notes in the Pinot Noir. So if somebody else said like, you know, if I didn't want to get a Pinot Noir, I wanted to get something else, I would know what to say if a bartender like you said to me, "What do you like?" And I could say this, this, and this. But I, I don't want a Pinot Noir. I want to try something new. Yeah. So, but I like something like that. And that's where you came in with like all of this. And these are the questions, of course, I want to ask you. But we need like a week, Matthew. <laughs> Right? Like all this time. Yeah. Because I. I'll it, make time for you. I got but, you. But you were that for me. That's what I'm saying. So anyway, I just wanted to say. And then, and Sean as well, who um, yeah, is awesome. actually d- doing uh, the pod next week too. He is like. Mm, uh, nice. Yeah. Well, we're doing like a pop at night. Like me, Sean and Melanie are doing a little, um, a little hangout. But wine will be served. Um, That's going to be good. Yeah. It'll be good. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I don't know about you all, but I feel like I've had a lot of times in my life where I have felt very uncertain about where I was going or what was next, or if the path I was on was the right path or the step I was about to take was the right step. I feel like I got through those times and I'm getting through one right now by doing my best to just trust myself and also know that it might not look perfect going forward. And even if I take a step in the wrong direction and I have to course correct, I can do that. And I don't know. I hope. I feel like that's something therapy has been good for me to work on is like, you know, this perfection thing. Sometimes in life, we are faced with tough choices and the path forward Isn't always clear. So, whether you're dealing with decisions around career, relationships, or anything else, therapy helps you stay connected to what you really want while you navigate life so you can move forward with confidence and excitement. I love that word. Trusting yourself to make decisions that align with your values is like anything. The more you practice it, the easier it gets. And this is where I feel like therapy has been helpful for me and I think it's helpful for so many people. The word alignment, I feel like, is so important because for me, I feel like therapy has just helped me really fortify. my relationship with myself and get to know what that alignment is for me. And I think that's what is so great about therapy is that like there are no magic answers, right? But like we can really get to know ourselves and and try to make the best decisions that are right for us. And I feel like therapy can play such a major part in that to help us get to know ourselves and also, you know, trust ourselves. So if you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It is entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. It's that easy. I actually signed up. I've done it. And it is a very easy, it's just a very easy app to use. And they ask a lot of questions up front, which is great because they want to tailor the experience so that you feel safe. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash time today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash time. So, um, I mean, again, I could talk to you all day, but I love getting this sort of, uh, like, about this art and this part of it. But I want to get into some of these questions because there are so many of them. Like, they're still coming in. I haven't had this kind of a response. Like, I'm I'm so excited you're here, and also like I am so excited to have. There are some that are a little overlapping. The first one, my favorite one, was Are You Maggie Lawson? So, Matthew, are you Maggie Lawson?
0: It turns out I'm not Maggie Lawson. Okay, no. cool.
1: Are you ready, Matthew? Are you ready? I'm also gonna play a fun game with you.
0: Ready? You, I you like games and, games, and I'm games. ready.
1: Okay. Yeah. We're gonna play Fuck Mary Kill. So we're gonna do like a sip, saver skip version of like, I'm going to give you like five, but we're going to, we're going to make everyone wait for that. Um, One question I got when I asked uh, people to weigh in, it was like a lot of people had a a similar version of this question, which was, what is the best wine that is readily available under $20? You
0: know, that, that's a, that's a question that is a hard one to answer only because everyone's looking for something different and best is subjective. And I, I want... I want yeah. to be respectful to the question, but I also want to make sure that people asking it are are realizing like, so it could be the best wine or $20 for a certain context. And I could say this is. All right, this, I'm going to so. give
1: you some context. Ready?
0: Yeah.
1: I'm going to my boss's house for a dinner party. I've only got 25 bucks. Yep. I want to bring something impressive. Yep. But I don't really know that much about wine. And yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to like, I, I would go grab a Trader Joe's thing. What do, what should I, what would be, let's, let's do a red and a white. What would be an impressive red and what would be an impressive white?
0: Sparkling wine is always impressive no matter what, always. D- just everyone I'm listening so- at home, yeah. remember this for the rest of your lives. Sparkling wine is impressive. So there are a couple places you can get really great value sparkling wine. You will not break the bank. Alsace, Cremant Sauce, Cremant is the word for a sparkling wine in French when mm-hmm. it's from anywhere other than Champagne. Champagne is a yep. place yes. on a map. You can go to Champagne. You could stand in Champagne and be there and look at your iPhone and see on Google Maps that you were standing in Champagne. They also make sparkling wine there called Champagne. It's a protected thing from the French government. Yep. Cremant is the word in French for sparkling wines from outside of there. So Cremant d'Alsace, from Alsace, mm-hmm. Cremant de Loire, and Cremant de la And the Mew is where sparkling wine originates. Those are sparkling wines.
1: Yes. I had a Cremant de Girard the other day that I also
0: incredible, but tend to be (laughs) higher priced.
1: They are. It was like, this one was like 35, I want to say. So I'm happy. I'm happy to know why I didn't recommend it. Great. But but
0: in this context, that's why I
1: didn't say it. Okay. So sparkling wine, you heard it here first, everybody. Sparkling wine, always impressive. I'm on such a sparkling wine kick right now that I'm actually. This is, this is help of me and a champagne kick right now. I'm also like, have you discovered some, like Wiston? Have you discovered some of these, uh, uh, sparkling wines from like the UK? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So what's cool about, and I, I don't like framing it this way, but it is part of the global warming conversation. What is cool about global warming other than all the bullshit that fucks our planet up is that places that 200 years ago, hundred years ago, 50 years ago, People poo-pooed as, oh, the weather's not good enough. We can't ripen grapes. Why would you invest there? Places that used to be looked at as negative and and low quality are now becoming world-class, of which the South of the UK is one of them. And sparkling wine from the UK, though it's not at all in this price point, I mean, UK sparkling wines are like $50 to $200. They're expensive. Okay. But the quality is incredible and why it matters, why like contextually, let's go to soil for a second. That part of Southern England has this very specific style of limestone called Comergean limestone that's from the same era. I think it's like 500 to 750 million years ago. Whoa. Um, so like when, you know, there were, there were, I, I'm pretty sure there were, um, uh, what do you call them? Dinosaurs roaming the earth then. Yeah. Um, that, that era of limestone also exists in Chablis.
1: Yeah.
0: In parts of Champagne. And in Sancerre specifically. Love so that. that's why yes. the South of England has this ability to make such high quality sparkling wine.
1: Wow. I didn't even know all of that. It's so funny because Christina was telling me about the that soil, like the soil, what I was just saying, we were talking about. She was like, it was yeah. like dinosaurs were roaming the earth. And like, that's the soil. These roots are still reaching. It's Isn't that crazy? Rexes. Yeah. 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 I'm like, yeah. yes, I I, ta- I want the dinosaur wine. Um, this was very that's huge, by the way. The sparkling wine for sure. Okay, so uh let's go, I'm just going down questions, honestly. Yeah. Um, because I even have some of my own, but I'm gonna start with all the uh listener questions. Okay, is organic wine really that much better for you and less of a hangover?
0: So number one, I'm not a doctor. I can't talk about better for you. What I can say is this. Yeah. Any of us, when given the option, we all, when you think about it logically, would rather put something in our body, any food product where there's no additives. It's better for you in that case because you're not adding something that probably shouldn't be there. And right. there's a lot of studies that have been done, uh, whether it's Roundup, whether it's, you know, additions of non organic materials that are sprayed in a vineyard, um, those kinds of things, which in the farming world. I, I had it best said by a winemaker friend of mine. This is now 11 years ago. I'm in his vineyard in the Roussillon region, Southern France. Mm-hmm. And he goes, I, I farm organic biodynamic because uh, I eat as a food here. Why would I, why would I want to eat as a shit food? Uh, ah. it's, it's for my life. Uh, yes. So what I want people to think about is the concept of organic wine Mm -hmm. biodynamic wine Mm -hmm. we're separating ourselves from what matters it's the farming that's the important thing organic farming biodynamic farming okay handling of the grapes in that way without these non-organic additions and i also want to be very clear in organic farming they're allowed to use copper and sulfur and other things in the vineyards to save the vineyards because i don't know if you guys know this for those of you who have not traveled to vineyards but like a vineyard is literally an ecosystem where fucking animals live—animals, yeah. not yeah. humans, yeah. wildlife—and stuff happens. There's rain. There's uh, powdery mildew. There's eagles that come and eat uh, little animals. Yeah. Um, you know, sheep come and eat the grapes. There are reasons why people make these decisions today. So let's be a little bit mindful when we're judging quickly on you know the organic versus non-organic. But mm. the concept of organic wine, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like just just like the gauntlet of, you know, drop yeah. the guillotine, it's organic. Yeah. I think we got to take a step back and think about what we're talking about in a, li- a little bit. That's my take on it. Organic oh. farming matters a lot. A I lot.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so in biodynamic, can you, like, what is the difference? So, I what? feel like there is organic, uh, natural biodynamic like i hear all of these words but it's also like yeah. they all if i were to ask someone usually they're all described very similarly but i think they're very different now well
0: because they become marketing terms and people okay. when you go to a shelf at a grocery store and you see organic and then you see the one the option b next to it's it not organic which one are people going to buy especially in cities let's be honest Of course, But the actuality of this stuff, there are details and reasons why, and um, in a lot of cases, governing bodies who oversee it all. Biodynamics is another farming technique. The same guy who created the Waldorf school, Rudolf Steiner, an old Austrian dude, um, he created biodynamic farming, which was a way of being one with the lunar cycle to know when to do all the important parts of growing. And it's not just for vineyards. It's for any sort of um, you know things that you grow in a field things that grow in, a, in some sort of a, a pasture or whatnot so yeah. it's it's knowing when in the moon cycle you're supposed to sow your your uh, seeds when you're yeah. supposed to you know trim back parts of the vineyard or you know I, I'm, I don't want to speak on wheat and cereals and things but like you could do it with that as well and so the whole point is that what being one with the earth being one with the, the moon especially, we're made of water. We're super sensitive to the the lunar cycle as well. I it's love this all this kind of moon
1: stuff. I love it. It's a full yes. circle
0: understanding. Yeah. and then there's other things that were brought into it. Like um, there are certain preparations they do that are a little witch doctory and a little bit voodoo, which I kind of am into. Me I'm too. from Louisiana. I was born in Louisiana. Like I didn't know that. Some, yeah, I like I lived there for. I think three months. It wasn't up to me, okay. but still my mom's from there. And I've got this kind of like Cajun side of the family. That's all about healing and energy. And so I, I I'm attuned to it. Right. Um, the witch doctory stuff that goes on, like they have, you, you get a cow horn and you bury a certain amount of manure in a, a very specific part of the vineyard at a very specific time in the lunar cycle. And what it's known to do is release nutrients that the vineyard needs. And it knows how to, depending on the drainage and when it rains and where the runoff goes, it knows how to carry nutrients certain places. And think about this. Okay. When you think of a tree, we've all seen trees, especially if you live in a city, you've probably seen tree roots that are coming up and trying to find water and whatnot. Yeah. They ruin sidewalks and whatnot. Grape vines, when they've been alive a long time, they're digging all the way down and they go deep. Sometimes, you know, it could be as low as six or eight feet and as far down as 50, 60 feet or so. The, the older they are, the, the lower the roots go, the more likely they are to um, find sources of water and not need the external world to help them, which is better in times of drought, better in times of extreme heat, better when things are really messed up like they are in the world right now because of global warming. These older vines are better. And biodynamics has understood this for a very long time. Just like you're trying to help the vineyard have this, you you look at it as an ecosystem again. It's, yeah, that's why.
1: Holistic. It's like the land and everything's working together. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So I'm sensitive because calling a wine biodynamic and calling a wine organic is taking away the fact that it's all done in the vineyard. Okay. Organic farming, biodynamic farming, or what matter. And the organics is all about. Uh, You know, and for those who are certified in those two things, especially in the EU, you know, this is a 10 year process. It doesn't happen overnight. You got to prove yourself, have these practices. People come and check on you. There's a whole like a lookbook of all the stuff you've done. They know what your neighbors are up to. If your neighbors are conventional farmer, you may not get certification. So I love that someone asked about that and your head's in the right place. But I I really do want us to zoom out a little bit and think about the farming is what matters.
1: And so got it. So
0: number one. The one way to not be hung over was well, two ways. The first way we're not going to, it's probably not our advice, but don't drink alcohol. Don't, you won't be hung over <laughs> if you don't drink alcohol. Step right. one.
1: Yeah. But
0: when you drink alcohol, like we all do, the only way to not be hung over, no matter how much wine you drink, no matter the quality of the wine, no matter the price of it, is to have a fucking glass of water. You are dehydrated when you're when, hungover. Right. Right. That is, I'm going to stand on my soapbox, like, People will say all the time, how come I get hung over when I drink champagne? I go, well, how much water did you have? How right. come I get hung over when I have too much red wine? How much water did you drink? Right. We got to take personal responsibility. That's simple. That's simple. I love okay.
1: that. Next question. Well, I think this is layered as well, but like, okay, sim- simply, how can you really keep white or red wine without a Coravin in the fridge? So how long? I'm sure you get this a lot. You're smiling. So no, white, red, it's open. Yeah. You know, I'm currently, I, I live alone. So like for me, opening a bottle of wine is a big deal because I think if I'm not doing the Coravin, uh, which okay. I do most of the time, it's always like, am I going to drink? Am I going to open the nice bottle that I am may not finish this week? If am I get, yeah. So go on, give, give the, so, the red and white question.
0: So there's not a simple answer to this. It has to do with a couple things. Number one, how young is that wine? Mm-hmm. What are the, the characteristics that wine has? For instance, when I say that, like a big, Napa Valley Cabernet with lots of fruit and tannic structure, and that was barrel aged for a few years. A wine like that can age for 20 years, 30 years. So, if you were to open that today, have one glass, put the cork back in it, and stick it in the fridge, which should be, by the way, 39 degrees Fahrenheit, that wine will probably live. And then the next part of it I'll get into in a minute, but I would say 48 to 72 hours with little to no degradation. But that also depends on the person drinking it. Some people are very sensitive to oxidation. And mm-hmm. you know, as a wine changes and lives and breathes, uh, that oxidation will become more obvious over time because that's yeah, the so one job oxygen has in life is to yeah. oxidize, and it it oxidizes wine. It becomes more nutty and brown in color, and you know, it basically gets old right in front of you, right? Okay. Um, so for me, if I open a bottle of wine, or especially like a big, broad-shouldered tannic red, I would say up to three days in the fridge. Usually, little to no degradation. Okay. Um, high acid white wines, sparkling mm. wines, especially if you open a sparkling wine, you have one of those little champagne stoppers. Yeah. You can get a week, more than a week out of that. And, and the that bubbles Corvin, the be,
1: champagne, oh, go ahead. Uh huh.
0: No, Champagne Corbin is phenomenal. Actually, I, I was that. with Greg when he got to, uh, so the founder of the company, uh, we were filming a TV show that we had him on as a guest host and he brought it out. He got to like show us the sparkling Corbin for the first time. And I was blown away because the Coravan when it first started, I was not a fan of. And now, what, 12 years later or however long later, it's a magical tool.
1: Yeah. Well, we'll get to accessories in a second. But I mean, that to me has become one of my favorites. I'm going to just pause for a minute and go to like wine terms for dummies so that people know what tannins are. What oxidation means. What you know, obviously we know a young wine is a a wine that's of a recent year and and older. But um, just for people like who are listening that are sort of like, oh, what does the oxidation mean? And how might one be sensitive to that? What are tannins? What does that mean? One of my favorites was, and this is just more of a like, all right. So if somebody says, like, "Mm, I'm getting notes of like forest floor, or I'm getting notes, like I kind of know what wines I like enough now and I know those notes, whatever. It tastes like concrete. Uh it's it's chewy, like it's like or you know, whatever. Uh but to someone who's just getting into wine, it's sort of like, why do I want to taste the forest floor? Why do I want to chew on concrete? Um, why don't you so, so well there's the curiosity, right? Like it's sort of like what does that taste like? And then when you start yeah. to know that. But so I think a lot of getting to know what wines you like uh, you start to kind of notice those things as you go along, but go back. So we're going to do basic, like yeah. tannin. What are basic wine terms? They're like, They're Okay, let's start with tannins. What are tannins?
0: Okay, so tani- tannins are um, how we describe the tannic acid that's present or not in a wine. And tannic acid comes from either the, the actual grape skins themselves, usually from red grapes. Yeah. You can also get them in an extraction with oak. So if a wine is barrel aged, So tannins, the best, uh, kind of, uh, comp for us, if you're not familiar is if you were to steep a tea bag in water and maybe you left it in a little too long and it becomes astringent, it's got that kind of rub on the back of your throat thing. That's tannic acid and probably way more than you want. It's astringent, it's textural, Mm
1: -hmm. um,
0: it can be a little bitter. Yeah. And so tannins are one of the determinants of aging when tannins are really present and a little sometimes too much for people, that's a sign that wine has the bones to live a very long time. Cause as time goes on, as the wine oxidizes and, and the oxidation is when, especially in a wine with a cork, this very small bit of air is getting in and mm-hmm. interacting with the wine. And it's what it's doing is basically speeding up the aging process. As that happens, the tannic structure, the tannic acid dissipates and becomes more integrated with the wine and a little less um jagged it becomes a little more round and a little easier to understand
1: I like this what about okay so oak unoaked uh this those in general uh barrel aged yeah. yeah yeah so yeah, let's so, do oak uh, and unoaked and we can we that's yeah. enough probably on the terms but go ahead
0: a lot of wines, especially red wines, are made um, where they'll do fermentation whether it's in a stainless steel vat or they'll do it sometimes in an oak barrel. And then they'll have a period of time where they'll use as young as a brand new oak barrel they just received, or in some cases, as old as a twenty to fifty-year-old barrel that's been used every year, wine in it, taken out, and you know, continual use. Um, that that oak usage will in the in the first two or three years for one, two, and three will give some oak imparting of flavors. Um, depending on where the oak is from, you can get things like vanilla, spice, uh, you get like cedar, you can get mm-hmm. um, dill. It really mm-hmm. just depends on, again, the origin. If it's French oak, American oak, how you know the um, the staves are, how big the staves are, how big the oak barrel is. The bigger the oak barrel, the less actual oak that hits the, the volume of liquid. So that's oaked. Unoaked right. in the case is, think about the absence of oak. So when people do not use oak in wine, um, especially if it's a wine that traditionally would use oak, and then they make the decision not to, they're usually using stainless steel fermentation and stainless steel aging, which that uh, Mm. conserves and preserves the freshness of a wine. Mm -hmm. So you might want a red with a lot of energy, a lot of um, red fruit, a lot of kind of a vibrancy that oak Mm -hmm. might kind of tamp down that. So not using oak unoaked version. Chardonnay is another one that I'm not personally a fan of unoaked Chardonnay, but a lot of people are doing it. Sauvignon yeah. Blanc is almost always, always. unoaked. Mm-hmm. Not not always, but almost always. Uh, a lot of white wines tend to be when they want to preserve freshness, preserve the fruit. Uh, mm-hmm. But then it depends on the people. Like there's barrel aging for, I see it with Riesling. I see it with Chenin Blanc. I see it with obviously Chardonnay, a big one. Uh, and I'm just naming a, a very small amount of white wine varieties. There's yeah. uh, 5,000 of them. So
1: Green Chef is the number one meal kit for eating clean with dinners that work for you, not the other way around. Feel your best with nutritionist-approved recipes, including protein-packed meals with at least 40 grams of protein on average per serving and flavorful, plant-rich vegan and vegetarian meals featuring certified organic produce, good-for-you grains, and plant-based proteins. Get everything you need at Green Market. They're a one-stop shop for nutritious grab-and-go breakfasts, brunch kits, wholesome lunches, ready-to-eat snacks, And more you can easily add to your weekly order. I'm very, very excited about Green Chef. Like, I can't say enough about them. I really love them. Craving more servings of a favorite recipe? Now you can double the portions in your weekly order with just one click. It's so easy to use. Feel your best this summer with seasonal recipes featuring certified organic fruits and vegetables, organic cage-free eggs, and sustainably sourced seafood. Who doesn't love that? Like, all this stuff means so much to me, so I'm just very happy this company is out here doing it as a meal kit and delivery. Make more time for your summer goals with their convenient step-by-step recipes and options ready in less than 30 minutes. Plus, cut down on meal prep with pre-portioned and prepped ingredients, including pre-measured sauces, spices, and dressings delivered right to your door. It's true. It's that easy. Each week, I look forward to seeing what's new on the menu, like Brussels sprouts, hash, and eggs. Or the Greek kale salad, chicken flatbreads. Like, come on, you all. Like, it's it's so good. Each meal is so flavorful and delicious. and makes you feel great inside and out. It really is a fun new meal delivery. You're going to feel great. Go to greenchef.com slash me time 50 and use code me time 50 to get 50% off. 50% off. Did you all hear that? Plus free shipping. That's greenchef.com slash me time 50 and use code me time 50 to get 50% off plus free shipping. How do you uh, build up your palate? How do you sort of get to know your own palate? Somebody says they only drink dessert wines right now. So what's what are right. good entry red, entry white? How do you start to know your own palate?
0: So here's what I recommend or, to get yeah. to know your palate better. No, there's a couple of things that are very important here. It's very good to know what you like and to think about characteristically what you like about those wines. If you like dessert wines, that means you like something... Sweet, you like something round, you like usually lower acid, and that can be a gateway into other things. But really, the way to build the palette up is to keep an open mind and try everything. Yep. If you only like fill in the blank, I only listen to Taylor Swift, I only like uh, I don't know, I, I only watch Yellow Jackets no. on TV, right. or whatever yeah. TV shows, <laughs> I know I had to know <laughs> um, uh, but, but my point is like. If you like something, you're going to like something else. And the way to find that out is to think about the characteristics of said thing. So with dessert wines, that's usually a lot of them are lower alcohol, not always, but usually. So it's probably someone who is less into the flavor of alcohol, the sugar and the lower alcohol mask that. And I would recommend probably going into uh, more fruit forward, a little bit less acidic wines, whether they're white or red, you Mm -hmm. could do stuff like you know, New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc, that's not necessarily super mm. acidic. You could do Chilean Sauvignon Blanc. You could do, um, Chardonnays from warmer climates, maybe, um, you know, Northern California is a good place for that. Uh, the Russian River Valley I love, uh, I love depending Russian on the oak River treatment, Valley. you know, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. like, don't, don't get me wrong. Like some of the wines there are super fresh and acidic. Like it's, it's, I'm not trying to call anyone out cause I love the area, but like, those kinds of wines will also be maybe a little bit more like a hug and a little bit less like a punch in the mouth. Um, That's
1: so funny. That was going to be one of my. Uh, well, we can maybe into a separate thing of that. Is yeah. like I just start describing things that like that. Now I'm like, oh, it. Pinot Noir feels like a good friend. It's just like a yeah. good, solid, dependable friend. And Albarino is like a fun little. It's like a fun afternoon party. Like it feels exactly. like a fun. Anyway, but we will I want to? do that with you. Okay. So that was really great. Dessert wines. Okay. God, I have so many Matthew now. I have so many questions of my own. I want to ask, but okay, let's do this, which is a question a lot of people have. And we'll go basic to like, again, red, white, sparkling, whatever um, food pairings, basic. Like what is the best food pairing for a steak? Like what uh, best wine to, to bring out the, yeah. for, for like a, you know, you want to marry a couple little things together. You're, you're yeah, gonna, of
0: course. So yeah. when you're having a steak, think about it. it's big, it's meaty. There's usually, unless you're having filet mignon, there's usually some fat there. So you need something. Something with a lot of flavor, something with some texture to cut through it. Um, wines that make a lot of sense with steak would be big Cabernet, uh, delicious Malbec, maybe Rioja, grape Tempranillo. Oh,
1: I love Syrah.
0: The, yeah. I have a wine bottle on my arm. I don't know if y'all can see that, but I, that's a Syrah outline from uh, Cornas in the Rhone Valley of France. So I, those wines tend to make a lot of sense with the steak, but you could also just flip the fucking script and say, you know what? I want to have a high acid white something to cut through it. You could have a, a skin contact white. You could have a Riesling with a lot of acidity. Yeah. I did Austria. that recently.
1: I did a, like a kind of a dry Riesling. Is that right? But it was like, yeah, yes. it was so good. And I didn't think about that. I was like, oh, a white with a spice, with a big a steak with a, yeah. Anyway, I had a little spice to it too. It was great. I right? love
0: that. Yeah. And yeah. skin contact white, especially, which mm. you know, tends to look a little bit more amber, sometimes orange, they call it orange wine, a lot of times macerated wine, just depending on where you are and how uh, how hipster your language is, the different terms for it. But yeah. skin contact wine especially will have a fun um, fun interpretation with steak because it's got tannic structure. They, they age skins on top of the juice. So you get that tannic acid, the phenolics there as well. So that works well with steak.
1: Phenolics. There. Phenolics, phenolics, all these words. I'm going to give you fish and I'm also going to give you, yep. I also want to know when it's like, I'm just like snacking and I, it's the afternoon. I don't really have a meal. I just want something easy, light, breezy, red and white. So I want, yep. what do I have with, the, okay, we did steak, we'll do fish. And then we're going to do like, I don't have a, a meal pairing, but I, I want a easy breezy afternoon. Yeah. Go ahead.
0: So I could get super granular and I would ask what fish, how are you preparing it? I'm not going to do that. Obviously. Shannon right. Blanc for fish, right. sparkling wine with fish. Bob's Yay.
1: Yay. I love Chen that. Blanc
0: from the Loire, Shannon Blanc from South Africa. Do it.
1: Great. Okay. Um, This is so good. Okay. What about no food? Like I'm, I'm chill. It's the afternoon. I either like a chilled yeah. red or a, or a, a real yummy light, light white. What, what do you got? Or what would you recommend? I love that. I'm calling out what I would want if I, uh, <laughs> if I was eating. <laughs> so when
0: I'm drinking on its own, no food, I tend to like uh crisp white, crisp rose. So mm-hmm. rose from like um the Cassis appellation within it's a it's a sub-appellation within the Provence area near to Bandal. Mm-hmm. Find a Cassis rose, you'll freak out. It's not far from where it can where they do the film festival. Um you could do Pique Pool de Pinet, very crisp, limey, oh, fresh ew. white wine. Yeah, yeah down the yeah. south in, in the Languedoc You could do, um, I'm a big fan of Southern Italian whites. So something like Falangina or Fiano d'Avellino. I don't know that. seaside saline, Mm. volcanic, really good on their own. Yeah. You could also have with the fish if you wanted.
1: I like, I'm in a very Albarino mood right now. I've been in lately. Um, I like the Albarinos and they're also like 20 bucks. I was just about to ask, like grocery store, simple, simple wines for beginners. Uh, that was the next one. What are the most affordable, approachable wine options. Yeah. Perfect for beginners, which we also kind of covered a little bit, is just sort of getting to know what you like.
0: I got and another answer to to add to that, which is yeah. if you go uh, one little step further, obviously, if you're at Trader Joe's, you're already shopping. Get a bottle that looks good and you like the label and maybe someone there can answer. But make a relationship at your local wine store. They have yes. inexpensive stuff and, and they want wines- to show you that.
1: And they're wonderful people and they're all like mom and pop and they have everything from the $10 bottle to the $10,000 bottle, or I don't know, you know what I mean, but they, and they always know. And they're at least my, I love K and L here, but I, I, Mm -hmm. and so I can spend, and they never there, you, there's you, you're, it seems intimidating. Wine shops are, they feel intimidating. If you like, don't feel like, you know, a lot, but that's what they're all there for. They love it. Like they get to, they're all wine you know, I, I always call them wine nerds. They're not nerds. We know that that's not like a, but you know, this is like their world. So they love when somebody comes in and they're like, Hey, I don't really know a lot, but like, I've got like 15 bucks to spend and this is where I'm going. What do I do anyway? So did you hear that? Go to your, one of the next questions, what is the best place, uh, best way to learn more about wine and and it's different styles. I will, I would, I'm going to just go on what you just said as well, just either in local wine bars too, but, really local wine shops. I do feel like that is, you just can talk to them. They love talking about wine. You're not interrupting anything. There are no dumb questions. Most of the time, if there are, then like, that's not a nice person. But for the most part, that's a great way to do it. This is one of my favorite questions, Matthew. If wine were a fashion accessory, which wine would be the little black dress and which wine would be the jeans and the tennies? Okay. I love this question. Oh, I, I love this question.
0: This is a great question. So... Yeah. The Little Black Dress is absolutely, for me, going to be... There's two answers. One, um, and I, I'll be specific. Uh, Aigli Aurier Champagne, specifically that producer, they make a wine called Levine de Vergienne, which is 100% Pinot Meunier, and it's one of the biggest turn-on wines on the planet, which is what a Little Black Dress is meant to do. Let's be real. Okay. and. You want that bottle of wine empty? You want the black dress on the ground straight up?
1: What uh, you all did? Did you all just hear that? Holy hell, we didn't just get champagne. I would have said champagne as well, but you got really specific. And also, that is a little black dress and a bottle. Okay, go on. Yeah. Um, uh, so, um, I mean, I feel like there are many accessories, but this just went from black, uh, black dress. And look, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Turn it up a little bit. Say okay, jeans and jeans and tennies. Like jeans, white t-shirt, yeah. tennies. What's that? Yeah.
0: So that's that's gonna be a little more like a Tuesday night. That's gonna be a little more like I'm drinking. I think I might I might break out like uh let's see. I think that is the Cote de Provence Rosé, the one that like, like the Barbie Rosé, the one that everyone's oh. drinking. Like it just, you're, you're looking and feeling good. You're comfortable. It tastes great. It's yes. a hot day. It cools you down. It's like, it's, it's meant back. to just do exactly what it's meant to do. Yeah. You want to buy the pool. But it's like still it, cute. Yeah. Uh, to, you know, you can walk into town and go to the grocery store, but it's, it's, it's a 10 out of 10 still.
1: I, love that answer as well oh my god I feel like we need to do a whole episode of accessories um yeah. I will also one of the questions was why is rose so damn good um <laughs> so my
0: rose colored glasses why do you think
1: <laughs> well exactly rose all day oh my god offer some oh tips for reading a wine label and understand what it tells you about Ooh, the wine
0: okay so okay, I
1: have I have a wine bottle yep. right here yes do you want to like should we should oh, i go is through?
0: that the lo- the Paco y Lola?
1: I love it yeah, I'm so into it right it. now. Yeah, yeah, this is the one I'm I'm very into right now. So yeah. let's just say what we're looking at here. We're looking at the label. We want to know the region um, yeah, so on the label. Yeah.
0: The important details that you should take away from a wine label are who made it, where they made it, what grape or grapes potentially. Some regions by law and also just by history do not say the grapes because they assume you know it if you were to drink a wine from that place. Mm-hmm. So not all of them will have the variety on there. And what's interesting about it is there's other lawful things like the alcohol content must be there. Um, There's certain um, proportions that like the name of the wine versus the name of the grape and the name of the place, depending on where it's from, a lot of the marketing terms. Now, if you turn a, a label over and you look at the back and it tells you what temperature to drink it and what food to have with it and this whole romantic story, I'm not against all that, but I want everyone to know people's job in life is to sell you things, don't you think they might write some shit to make you buy it if it sounded romantic?
1: Right. So
0: sometimes you gotta take these cute little stories with a grain of salt. Okay. Um, a lot of times the less that's said the better in a lot of ways. Yeah. Because the wine will speak for itself. So what you wanna be looking for are, and I believe personally, especially in 2023 and beyond, like it's too easy to have a nice label. Like it's it's no longer an excuse to yeah. have a shit label. I'm right.
1: sorry. Right. Yeah, labels make. are Maybe. absolutely
0: And it's not about judging a book by its cover. It's literally, it's not that hard to make a label that looks nice. So let's make a nice label. Let's have clear information of where the wine comes from. It's better in theory to have a wine, or better is not the word I want to use. It's more descriptive of where the place is for the grapes that have been grown by the people who made it or in tandem with another great vineyard or grower, because not everyone owns the vineyards that they make the wine from. Not everyone has millions and millions of dollars, but there are a lot of people who buy wine. And put their own label on it. There are people who buy grapes from other vineyards and put their own label on it. There are people who don't make the wine and just buy out a winery's inventory and slap their marketing. So there are little clues sometimes on things like that. And I'm not against all that stuff, but it's nice to know. You want the information, right? Yeah. And looking at a wine label sometimes will take in information and we'll we'll teach ourselves or convince ourselves, oh, that's a good sign. Well, I don't think a lot of them are good or bad signs. It's more, what's the information?
1: Okay. I love that. I'm going to get into this fun little game I came up with. Sip, savor, skip. Mm -hmm. Ready? Yep. Okay. Light-bodied reds. Ready? Beaujolais, Pinot Noir, Grenache.
0: Uh, Beaujolais, savor, Pinot Noir, sip, skip the Grenache.
1: Love it. Full-bodied, Cabernet, Shiraz, Syrah, Malbec.
0: Oh, this is the tough one. Okay. Uh Saver Syrah.
1: <laughs> Wait, Saver Syrah?
0: Savor Syrah. I got yeah, Syrah on yeah, my yeah. arm. I told you that already.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, and then the, the hard one, like I'm going to Argentina in like a month. So I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna sip Malbec and skip Cabernet. Sorry.
1: Oh, this is sorry. groundbreaking. The, the cab I, you know, is out. All right, sorry. aromatic whites. Oh, interesting. I have a Riesling Gewurztraminer, and a Muscat. Muscat? Yes. So, okay, yes, go on. Sorry, what did I say? Riesling, Gewürztraminer, Muscat. Or is Zip it Sip, Gewürztraminer,
0: Sip, Gewürztraminer, Savor Riesling, Skip Muscat.
1: Great. The Muscat's uh, awesome. What? No, I know. I know. Okay. Uh, sparkling. Oh, this is easy. Champagne's Prosecco Cava. <laughs> so easy.
0: Zip Cava, Savor Champagne. Hell yeah. And Skip Prosecco. Hell yeah.
1: I'm uh, sorry. Why?
0: I mean, Prosecco Prosecco's good when you top up your, your um, your what do you call it? Uh, uh, Aperol Spritz.
1: Oh, or your Mimosa. Yes. Okay. Rich, white. Okay. Chardonnay, Viognier, Marsan.
0: Uh, this one is good for me. So uh, Marsan is a sip. Chardonnay is a savor. And get the fuck rid ever. Don't ever. I don't ever want to drink Viognier ever again if I don't have to.
1: Bye. Goodbye. Light and crisp white, Sauvignon Blanc, Albarino, Vermentino.
0: Sip Vermentino. Savor what was Sauvignon Blanc? What was the other one? Albarino. Savor Albarino, and sorry, Sauvignon
1: Blanc. Nice Sauvignon Bye-bye. Blanc. Bold, spicy Reds. Okay. Um, well, I don't know. I don't. Lo- I don't. I have Zinfandel, Shiraz, Petit Syrah, but I feel like this one should be like. Zinfandel, Rioja, Tempranillo. What would be a better what would be a better comparison of bold and spicy reds? Rioja, yeah, Zinf- Tempranillo,
0: Zinfandel, Tempranillo, and Petite Sirah are good.
1: Let's do that. You're okay, already- so bold and spicy reds: Zinfandel, Tempranillo, and uh, what do we say, Petite Sirah? Yeah. Okay, great. So I'm
0: sipping Petite Sirah. I'm savoring Tempranillo, and Zinfandel can left fucking swipe. Get the fuck out of here.
1: Get the fuck out. Dessert wines. Mm. Sauternes, port, mm-hmm. ice wine.
0: I'm going to sip Sauternes. I'm going to savor port, and I'm going to throw ice wine out the door. Bye-bye. Skip, bye. Skip, skip it.
1: Last one, Earth Reds, Nebbiolo, Sangiovese, San Barbera.
0: I'm going to sip Sangiovese. I'm going to savor Nebbiolo, and sorry, Barbera, you go. You go. I you knew skip.
1: That- I, kn- I, oh, I knew that's what you were going to say. Two things. One, like wine accessories. What's the other than a Coravin? What, what else do you recommend right now for gifts, you, for wines, for whatever
0: for people who travel?
1: Yeah, yes. If
0: you get to see this, yes. I got a good friend up in in uh, Washington State who created these incredible wine bags called the Bean yes. Armor.
1: Oh my god, I love it, them. They so so what like- it
0: does? I I broke a seven hundred dollar bottle of uh, Madeira in my suitcase one time, and so he yeah. heard about that story and sent me one. So this is a one bottle carrier that's made with this incredible, like insane, I forget the exact details, but the the material inside is like what, what firefighters wear, like Teflon, I think inside. So it's, it won't burn and it won't break. The bottle is safe inside. It's got a lock in place. So there's the one bottle for when you're going, you can put it in your suitcase, the bottle will not break. And then he also has a three bottle tote. So so yeah, these are not cheap, but varmored.com. Yeah. I'm a big fan of what Brian Hart and his team do, so I, I want to recommend that. them. I also want to recommend – I don't have it easy to grab right now, but the okay. um, if you drink vintage wines, you must own the Durand wine opener. It's a must-have. It's the only way to get an old cork out of the bottle without breaking it by far.
1: Wow, that's great to know. I did not uh, – I've never heard of that, so even the, I did
0: TheDurand.com.
1: TheDuran.com and also we love our core event. Really quick, Proxies. Um, Just tell listeners about it really quick because I think it's really special what you're doing with with Proxies.
0: Yeah, so the Proxies team originally from Canada, they make it outside of Toronto. Um, I came on as the ambassador two years ago. What it is is a non-alcoholic wine alternative. A lot of people just call it non-alcoholic wine. I try not to um, correct everyone, but it's different because we don't make wine and then take the alcohol away. It's a whole different intentional process, built from the ground up. It starts non-alcoholically, continues that way, and ends non-alcoholic. So um, it's a uh, a wine-like beverage again, without alcohol. That starts with wine grapes, organically grown in Italy, and then we make tea for the low end, for tannic structure, for like the body of it. Oh, wow! And and then we're able to layer in flavors, earth components, spice components, fruits, some juices, concentrates. We make um, sometimes like tinctures, and we do fermented ingredients. And what's cool about it, because we're not literally making wine, that's extracting the alcohol, and then you're left over with whatever you made. Because it's a food product, uh, you know, a beverage that we then can layer intentionally. We're able to get creative, and you can kind of reverse engineer it and try to get to a place intentionally. It's really fun.
1: I love that, and so you can still enjoy the sort of art and the flavors and all of that of wine if you, even if you don't. Uh, Drink alcohol. And I think that's uh, really, really really special for people. Um, Or if you drink, they're great for drinkers too. Or even if you You drink. Yeah, of course. It doesn't just have to be for that. It's just being able to sort of enjoy that without getting tipsy and without getting. I just, I think that's a really special thing you're doing. So I'm glad, uh, I was glad to see it. Matthew, I'm actually going to officially let you go. Thank you so much. You are just it's such a, uh, uh, your enthusiasm for wine is what got me excited about wine and also what is going to get these listeners excited. Like, it's just, I, I love talking to you about it. So thank you so much.
0: My pleasure. I adore um, you back and yeah. I'm happy to be here. It's so great to, to share the, your time, the me time. Yeah. With the One and only, and I am not Maggie Lawson.
1: Thank you so much, Matthew Kaner, for being here. I hope you all enjoyed this episode. I, for one, am very thirsty, so I'm gonna go open some wine. Enjoy the rest of your days, enjoy your weekends, and please share and tag us. If you're having wine this weekend or this week, we would love to see your photos and we would love to repost them because I really want to see what everyone's drinking. I enjoy this very much. So send in your photos, all that good stuff and follow us on our Instagram at me time with Maggie.